Hey everyone, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, Liberty. Who is very distracted by the office cat right now, being a weirdo. Yeah, she's kind of just sitting in one of her bigger boxes, staring just her face over the top, staring at Liberty right now, like... Very angry. Death stare. But anyway, we are a podcast that's not about their cat. Uh, (laughs) We are a podcast where we discuss the latest news in both books and sports. And today is the sports episode. You miss the part where I tell people it's so we will like each other's crap. But but that's what it's about. Today's about sports. Of all shapes and sizes. All shapes and sizes? Are we going to talk about, like, the Marble Olympics and stuff? The what Olympics? The Marble Olympics? Do you not know about marble racing? I don't watch the marble racing, no. (laughs) But I know it was a big thing during the pandemic at one point in time. It was a thing before the pandemic. I know, but but it it, really caught on during the pandemic because people were like, there's no sports, let's watch marbles race each other down a track. Like, and you don't think it'll be interesting, but, like, it's good background TV. (laughs) I hate to say it. I can't get on board with Marble (laughs) Racing League, I'm sorry. Anyway, we're going to discuss first the National Hockey League, which is a real sport. Yes. No one will debate that. I'm going to start with your team. The Chicago Blackhawks have canceled their practice that was scheduled for Saturday, January 30th. The decision was made due to potential exposure to COVID, and they are currently scheduled to play the Columbus Blue Jackets at the United Center today, Sunday, January 31st. Yeah, it finally caught up to me making fun of all these teams that had COVID problems because uh, the Blackhawks had two players and one staffer test positive for COVID-19. Two players were named, obviously the staffer because he's not a player, has not been named. You have public versus private sort of situation, yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's a thing that's happening. Based on what I'm hearing out of the organization, like the little tidbits of like, behind the scenes uh is it's pretty much stopped with just those two players and the staffer so i mean it could be worse yeah you could be carolina or it could be dallas with 17 total players and staff members sick so we already knew texas is not handling this well yep and we continue to do so great down here in texas but speaking of carolina the hurricanes are returning to ice in small groups after the covid pause they return to the ice on monday january 25th Just 11 months before Christmas, by the by. (laughs) And that was the first time since five players were placed on the COVID protocol list on January 19th. They have not played since the win over Nashville on January 18th, up until their game that they played this past Thursday, which was on the 28th. Carolina and Florida seem to be the two teams that are struggling the worst with it actively in the current world of the NHL. But Carolina right now is on a three-game win streak. And all that rest helps. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I definitely think they're the sleeper in the Central Division. I would say between them and Florida, you don't really expect them to win a lot of games, but they're both in the top five in the division right now. And realistically, they'll probably both be in the top three by the end of all of it. So, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Yep. There have also been games that were postponed. So, the Golden Knights and the Sharks games that were scheduled for this week are now postponed because of COVID protocols. Four members of Vegas, including three coaches, are in protocols. The Las Vegas facilities will remain closed until further notice, so who knows how long that's going to be. And a funny thing that happened, Vegas was without its coaching staff for the 5-4 shootout loss to the Blues on Tuesday. Do you know who their head coach was? They used GM Kelly McCrimmon. 
I guess is how you say that. He he has coached the game. Done any head coaching job in over fifteen years. The last time he did it was as an OHL head coach. That so. is very different than NHL coach. Oh wow, <laughs> to say the least. But he was assisted by the staff of Henderson of the AHL, I guess. Yeah. So he had help. Yeah. So the the three coaches that were out were the head coach and the two assistant coaches of the team. And obviously as the player was Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't fathom being like, I'm doing my GM job, doing my GM job. Oh, I get to be the head coach tonight. Like. I mean, next up, right? I, I guess that's the kind of the way the year is. And realistically, like the GM knows the players they have. That's the reason they have the players they have is because of the GM. The thing so. is, it's more of a broad understanding of their players and less of a like How tiny to push them detail. Individually. Yeah. yeah. So that is probably why they lost. But I mean, they did a good job because <laughs> they had to take it into OT and shoot out. So. Staying on the subject of COVID in the NHL a little longer. Um, the NHL announced that they're borrowing $1 billion to divide amongst the teams to help with lost monies from the previous season. Who is giving them a billion dollars? The NHL's more than capable of asking for a billion dollars and getting a loan, let's be honest. But, I, I believe it. It's just like, which um, bank are you going to? I doubt you're going to chase down the street. Yeah, I doubt it. Teams will be able to withdraw up to $30 million to help with payroll and cash flow problems from the previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, this is can more than likely be used by a lot of these teams, not necessarily for their own organization, but for their AHL teams. Oh, um, So that's where I would imagine most of the monies will be going. Yeah. I guess a good side to the COVID thing or silver lining to COVID thing. The San Jose Sharks will be playing their first games at their home arena on February 13th and 15th. They've been playing road games since the opening of the NHL season on January 14th due to COVID restrictions in Santa Clara County in California and not Santa Clarita because I almost called it that again. Fans won't be permitted into their arena, but they'll finally be playing at home versus, like, their fake home that they've been doing in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at least it'll be more familiar for them. I really think outside of a couple of things, there's no such thing as home ice advantage. One of them being the crowds, which you're not going to have anyway, so it doesn't matter. But also... The only thing that I think isn't regulated properly is, like, the boards around the ice. Yeah. So, like, if you know your boards, maybe you have a slight advantage over the other team. But I think it'll just be nice to feel like you know where you are. Yeah. I've always said that there's home home ice advantage, and obviously this year it's really not much of a thing. Like, like you said, the only advantage you really have is how your boards bounce. Yeah. Obviously there is no standard for that, so it's kind of... Which I thought was so weird when I heard that because it's like, why not? You have regulations why? about pucks and how pucks are handled and frozen and taken out of coolers, but you don't have regulations on the boards? Nope. Anyway, that's a whole nother topic. We'll see how they end up doing. I think that they were supposed to be earlier in February that they were going to go home, but something happened, so they have to wait till like mid-February. I'm sure they're excited to be back. Well, and it'll be easier on their family as well. That is for sure. But moving into injuries, I only really found one. I don't know if you have anything else for injuries, but Philip Chittle, I think is how you say that one, will be out four to six weeks for the Rangers with an upper body injury. I didn't mark it down. Oh, okay. 
That's all the injuries. There weren't many this week, that's for sure. There were some that's... pretty pretty nasty hits, but... Right. Well, speaking of nasty hits, I suppose, <laughs> the Minnesota Wild forward Kevin Fiala... Fiala. That's the one. <laughs> has been suspended for three games without pay for boarding LA Kings defenseman Matt Roy during the game on Thursday, January 28th. I saw this and watched it happen, and it was nasty. Like, if someone wants to say, well, he couldn't help that the guy went into the boards like that, blah, 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 I don't want to hear it. He was facing this dude's numbers from entering the zone. So, like, he knew what he was doing, in my opinion, which is probably why there was a suspension. Yeah. And under the current CBA and based on his average annual salary, he is going to end up forfeiting $77,586.21. Oh, man. And, of course, the money's going into the Players Emergency Assistance Fund. Yeah. Is that the only hit you had? Well, I mean, it's the only suspension I found. Okay. In the big news of the week, and it was kind of a shocker. Oh, did you have somewhere to go? Oh, no, I just know what you're going to say, and it's going to make me cry. Okay. Well, I'm starting with the negative news to go to the positive news afterwards. So the big news this week, obviously, in the NHL world is that Jim Rutherford, out of the blue, decided to resign as the Penguins general manager for personal reasons. I looked so hard last night to find actual reasons. No one came out and talked about it. Nobody's blabbed it yet, so it's still very much personal reasons. The ownership group of your team did come out and make a statement that it wasn't due to health reasons. Right. So he's fine health-wise, so that's one thing to not worry about. Well, and personal reasons can mean anything from his own personal life up to, like, his family has issues. And, like, that has nothing to do with us. So, like, we don't need to pry. Well, like, even before he was your guys' GM, he was the general manager of the Whalers and Carolina Hurricanes. So, like, for 20-plus years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's... He's been a GM for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, His record as a GM has been 276 wins and 154 losses and 56 overtime losses. So pretty good record overall, considering. And he's the first GM to lead a team to -to back-to-back Stanley Cup championships in 2016 and 2017 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. In the time of the salary cap, you're not going to have a lot of teams doing back-to-backs. But we were lucky because we had some of the same players still signed. So, like, we didn't have to worry about keeping anybody or paying extra to try to make sure people stay. The problem wasn't really a problem because you pretty much had everybody locked up for multiple years. Yeah. So, he's probably going to go down as one of the few GMs to ever get back-to-back Stanley Cups. In the salary cap era, that is. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously, previous to that, it was just like, spend all the money you want, get the team you want, and win the games you want. Yeah. Um, But the announcement came on Wednesday, January 27th, out of the blue. You texted me, and I think I sent you a gif going, WTF, what is happening? Yeah. And we've got assistant GM Patrick Alvin as the interim GM, I guess, while we're searching for a replacement. We had Rutherford replace Ray Shiro as GM on June 6th of 2014. So he's been with the team for almost seven years. Yeah. It's sad to see him go, obviously. I know that you and every other Penguin fan always questioned everything he did, but the irony behind it was it always worked out. And so... This season's a little questionable at this point, but we had a healthy amount of skepticism towards him. Maybe a little too abundant 
of an amount, but I don't know. I'm not thinking this is going to be like the holy grail that ends up getting us another Stanley Cup. Like, I don't think the change in GM is going to fix all the issues we're having right now. I love that you say that, but you guys are five and three, so it's like... If you watched the games, you could see how our defense is, like, barely alive at this point and how we have so many issues. And, like, I don't even want to talk about the two-on-none situation that did not even lead to a goal. And they were just doing, like, a Canadian, like, no, you have it, no, you have it, no, you have it. And, like, I don't want to get into that, but we still have on-ice issues no matter what our current record is. Well, you have to look at it in the, the long ways right now. So you're down Dumoulin, obviously, right now. He's going to be out for probably about another week. And when it comes to Latang, let's be honest, he really has not performed that well this year so far. He's been out of place a lot of times. And so when your two big guys aren't getting the minutes that they deserve or they should be playing at a quality level and they're not playing at a quality level, that kind of explains your defense this year. We also have had to pull from the taxi squad because of injuries, illnesses, but then you've got people like Malkin who like, yeah, he got a point in the game last night, but like he has not been acting like his normal self, playing like his normal self. Yeah. He's been criticized for obviously the way he's playing this season so far. He's not anywhere near the level that he normally performs. Uh, I'm trying to remember one of your players, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, basically came out and was like, listen, he's the most hard on himself. He doesn't need people to be hard on him. And he's one of the heaviest judges of himself. So he's going to play well. It's just going to take him a little bit to shake this Rust off, off, yeah. Yeah. Well, and my team's kind of always been harder on themselves than you could ever be, so, like, you can just back off because that's just how they are, especially the key players who are always there, like Malkin, Crosby, Letang. My thing is we're getting to that point where either we need to start getting that fresh blood up to standard or our older players need to knock off this rust and get it together. Without a doubt. But like I said, don't think a new GM is going to fix that issue. I think if anything, we're still going to be questioning any moves that they end up making because who are you? I don't know who you are. Yeah, you're the unknown new guy that has to make decisions now with no track record or history, really. But on brighter side of the news, NHL head coach of the New Jersey Devils, Lindy Ruff, reached a milestone this week of coaching his 1500th NHL game. That's a lot of games. Yeah, it puts him in one of the higher positions for total head coach games, thinking like the top 15 or something like that is what it roughly comes out to. How old is he? Pretty old. Well, I assumed that based on the amount of games he's coached, but okay. his actual age. But I know that he's been around a couple different organizations over the years, most recently prior to New Jersey here in Dallas. He did a little bit of a stint in the Anaheim side of the world for a little while. So, you know, congratulations, Lenny Ruff. It's not easy to make it 1,500 games as a head coach in the NHL. So, are you looking up his age? We do it with hockey players all the time. He was 60 on July 9th of 2020. That's the best I can find. That would be his age. Oh, it's almost his birthday. Why? His birthday's in February. Oh, okay. He's going to turn 61. Oh, man. Also this week, the NHL announced that they're contemplating hosting a showcase game to show off players that are eligible for the upcoming draft since there aren't really minor or youth league games happening right now. Like, the Ontario Junior Hockey League is 
playing a minimal short season this year. A lot of the European leagues aren't playing at all. So these kids that are going to be in the NHL entry-level draft are not going to have anything beyond previous years to go based off of. Right. I think that's kind of cool. I don't know how they're going to, like, do the teams. Would they do, like, U.S. and Canada versus the world? Or would it be, like... I don't know. Could you fill the team with the world? Because it's pretty much a U.S. and Canada sport. So would it be, like, Canada against the world? No, I don't don't, think so. It's kind of a weird situation. Uh, They really haven't announced further anything than that. They're just contemplating the idea of doing something like that. And I think that's a good idea, honestly. As long as you have the players come in from wherever they're at and quarantine for, like, a week and test properly so that they can play you're in the game gonna have health complications and safety issues and i don't know how you're gonna work around that yeah I, I think it's a good idea i just don't know obviously since there's not really that much information out there about it right now it's kind of hard to tell whether it's really a good idea i guess in other sad news i guess or negative news <laughs> don't make me choose good bad or ugly we'll just discuss it so jimmy howard retired from the nhl on thursday january 28th after 11 seasons the 36 year old goalie has a record of 246 196 and 70 with a 2.62 goals against average and a 0.912 save percentage in 543 regular season games all with the red wings yeah, he's pretty much been their backbone at goalie for the good years and the bad years. More bad years than good years lately. Obviously. But. And I don't know exactly what this means because there was like a two-line article about it on the NHL. I think I know what it means, but I'm not 100% sure. Goaltender Connor Ingram is leaving the Predators to enter the NHL, NHL Players Association Player Assistance Program. So I think I know what that means, but... I don't want to say it and be wrong. I don't know what it means because I didn't oh, look this up. So I think it's for mental health or addiction issues, but I could be wrong. Literally, it just had that line and like a date and all of that on gotcha. the website. So if I'm wrong, then please correct me because I have no idea. I'm none the wiser about that program to like the depths and ends of it, but it has been used for that in the past. So it's possible. And... The new team that's going to be coming around soon, the Seattle Kraken have named John Forsland as their first television play-by-play broadcaster. The Kraken games will be broadcast in the Seattle area on Root Sports Regional Network. They will begin play as the 32nd NHL team next season, and the NHL expansion draft is scheduled for July 21st. So hold on to your anxiety, folks. Happy belated birthday. You get to lose players. Thank you. Yeah. I just think it's really crappy that, like, you can only protect certain players. It's only fair, though, too, realistically. Is it? Is it? I think you should be able to protect 95% of your team. I'm a firm believer, though, that when it comes to expansion teams, Vegas has done it better than anybody in the past. Like, we'll let you protect this player if you give us this player and this draft pick. And, like, they were so loaded as soon as they came out of the gate because they knew who they already wanted from the team. But they didn't let the other team know that's who they wanted. And they played, like, this 
mind game of like yeah. protect that guy and we won't we won't go pick this other one See, but this is who you're gonna give us this is what makes me think that the kraken shouldn't get to know who is a protected player like they just get to throw out names and they'll be like go fish god that would take forever though if that was the case That's we'd be talking expansion true. draft for like a month if that were the case so but wouldn't that be better because they can't turn around and do mind games with people no it wouldn't be better it's worked in the past, and Vegas is the one instance of success. I lost my flower to that stupid effing team. You would have lost flower the next season anyways due to contract negotiations, so it wouldn't have made a difference. You weren't going to keep them both. And then Jari on top of that? Jesus, there's no way you would have been able to afford to keep three goalies. Why not? I like them. Because <sighs> you're clearly not the GM, and nor is your previous GM that made We've that decision We've discussed anymore. before I shouldn't be a GM yes. of anything. That's correct. In a funny piece of the news, moving on from our argument, <laughs> David Posternock is currently out of the lineup due to an injury, and he decided to spend his free time being a representative for Dunkin' Donuts. They sent him a pair of sweats, a hoodie, and a crap ton of coffee. And he sported his new look on Twitter while surrounded with the coffee. So he had hip surgery on this past September. And he will be returning to play against the Capitals on Saturday. So he's taking a little more rest to rep the Dunkin' Donuts brand. <laughs> Gotta get that not playing time money. Yeah, he actually finished that Saturday game with just one point on the board. So he had an assist in his first game back. It's better than nothing. Yeah, considering he led the team in scoring last year, you know, odds are he'll be back up there, but he's missed a few games, so gotta give him a few to start catching up. Well, he can go celebrate by wearing his ugly clothing at home. Why do you have so much hate for Dunkin' Donuts? Did you not see the photo? No, I have it's not. It's really ugly. Like, yeah. it's white with, like, their colors on the sleeves and crap. It's disgusting. And another Boston Bruins piece of news, I suppose... The team has pledged over $100,000 to help an injured high school hockey player. So AJ Ketta sustained damage to his spinal cord after going headfirst into the boards during a game. He was taken off the ice on a stretcher. And Ketta is a senior forward for Bishop Feehan High School in Attleboro, Massachusetts. The school's president, Tim Sullivan, told NBC Boston that Ketta had a successful surgery Wednesday night, and doctors were still working to determine whether he would be able to move his body again. So it sounds like that was a really bad injury. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. And there is currently a GoFundMe set up for him and his family for medical expenses. It hit the goal of 10,000 in donations with more than 6,000 contributors in excess of 400,000 as of Thursday night. As of this morning when we're recording, it's almost $700,000 have been donated to his medical fund on GoFundMe. And in addition to the monetary donation, the Bruins are auctioning game-used sticks that have also been signed and holding Bruins Foundation 50-50 raffles from February 1st through the 6th with all proceeds going to his recovery. That's good. And I almost cried when I read the article, so... Yeah, as it sits right now, his GoFundMe has a little over $684,532 raised, so... I was going to say we could definitely maybe share this on our social media as well because yep. it's kind of a, I know that we're not really supporters of the Bruins, but in situations of tragedy like that, you know, it's really important to help. 
and band together and who knew Boston could be nice people? I, I think they're nice people, but they're cutthroat fans. And I think that's the difference between probably what yes. it is. If you're one of them, they're probably very loyal to you. And if you're not, watch your neck. Yeah. And then I have two more funny pieces of hockey news. I'm ready for it. I have no funny news for hockey news. Well, I think this first one's funny just because of the age range that we're in and not necessarily like actually funny. So the Mighty Ducks Game Changers trailer was released by Disney+. Plus. I had no idea they were remaking or doing an extended thing for the Mighty Ducks. But the first season of the original series will be on the streaming service as of March 26th. And coach Gordon Bombay is back and taking on a new band of misfits, according to its trailer. Okay. So Lauren Graham, who was the mom on Gilmore Girls, is going to play the mom of a 12-year-old named Evan, who gets cut from the Mighty Ducks team, which apparently after the movies were released, they suddenly became this like elite competitive team over the years. The first season is going to be 10 episodes long, and I watched the trailer. It's only like a minute long, and it's so effing cute. Like, I want to watch it now. Yeah. Effing Disney trying to take my money. (laughs) But it's like you see the coach being really mean to him when he tries to stay on the team. and He's like, you're not cutting it. You got to get off my team, blah, 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 blah. And then like they're playing hockey and the mom obviously doesn't know anything about hockey and like her son scores a goal in the trailer and she's like nothing but Ned and he's like I think that's basketball yeah I'm like that's just cute no sorry that's such a girl moment <laughs> it's okay I think it's a girl that loves hockey moment probably true yes but it looks really cute I don't want to get Disney plus but I also kind of want to watch that show yeah what's your other weird news or fun news I should say So, this is also weird, not just fun. The Blues apparently get attributed with getting the Cardinals pitcher Wayne Wright, according to an error on the newscast. So, Wayne Wright got a re-sign. One-year contract, because it's the year. With the Cardinals. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. On January 28th, but a local newscast mistakenly had the banner at the bottom say that he was going to the Blues. That's exciting. I didn't know that the pitcher played hockey ever. Right. And he had some fun with it. He put on like a face mask and put on a blues jersey and made a bunch of like tiny videos and photos and stuff about it. And he ended up saying, I'm not necessarily a very good skater, but with a little work, challenge accepted. That's fantastic. So that was cute. I hope they let him come. Well, they can't because COVID reasons. But I was kind of about to say, I hope they let him come to like practices or something like that and do like a social media blitz or something because it would be fun to watch. That would be funny. Yeah. But for obvious reasons with the CBA the way it is, he can't. So. That would be very bad right now. Yeah. If this was any other year, they'd be taking advantage of that so bad. Oh, in a heartbeat. I'm out of NHL news. You had me tapped out before all your fun, weird stuff, so... That's me, the fun, weird girl. (laughs) So, moving on to the NFL. For some reason, I thought there was gonna be the the big playoff game today, the Super Bowl. The big playoff game? (laughs) The foot with the ball, the thing? 
Be- before we go into the, <laughs> the Super Bowl, uh, this week was supposed to be the Pro Bowl, but obvious reasons due to COVID, uh, that was canceled. Okay. So. But I thought the Super Bowl was going to be today, and I was like, this is really early for the Super Bowl, because yes. normally it's in February. Correct. So at least I know that much. It will be in February. Yeah. Go figure. Um, is it next week? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But going over your picks from the previous week, you went 2-0, and and I right? went 0-2. So right? Like, I, I was obviously rooting for the underdogs in both situation. I really didn't want to see Mahomes or Brady back in the Super Bowl. My gut obviously told me, yes, that's going to happen. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't like either of those quarterbacks. I'm rooting for the other teams. And uh, it turns out I'm a curse. So don't let me root for your teams and maybe you'll go further. So so who do you think will win the Super Bowl? We're not there yet. <laughs> um, well, but we are because by the time this comes out, it will well, we're going to discuss it, but I'm saying not right this second. But Tampa Bay ended up beating the Green Bay Packers 31-26. to Green Bay almost came back on your pick, but Tom Brady is the king of the playoffs. So, you know, he's continued to move on to the Super Bowl. And then the Buffalo Bills really pretty much got manhandled. It was 38-24. to Most of the game, Kansas City was just control of the ball, running the field. I was surprised Buffalo got as far as they did. Only because of their history, I imagine. But um, Only because I know absolutely nothing except for they're not a very good team. They are a very good team. That's why they made it to the they championship. They weren't a very their, good their, team. Their conference. They weren't a good enough team. Yeah. But for your pick this week for the Super Bowl of next Sunday, because we don't want to record it the day of the Super Bowl. Are you picking the Chiefs or are you picking the Bucks? You going with Tom Brady, the king of championships? The game is in Tampa Bay. It's the first time as well, I should mention, in the history of the Super Bowl that a team will be playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. Are they going to have them do the visitor side that they warm up? Not warm up, that they get dressed up in? It, uh, locker room. I would imagine word. Tampa Bay uses their own locker room, yes. I would think not. Why? I mean, you're already having a quote-unquote home field advantage. You might as well use the visitor locker room to try to make it even up a little bit. As far as I know, they're not doing that. I have not heard anything, but... We'll find out. Yeah. I think that we're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs win. win back-to-back Super Bowls, huh? I don't know anything about what's happened in the past. If they won last year, good for them, but I think they're going to win this year. Yeah. I'm going to go with Tom Brady just because he's Mr. Playoff. But we don't like Tom Brady, right? He's a bad person. Well, he's not a he's not a bad person. He just wins a lot. But Antonio Brown comes back next week, which is one of Tom Brady's bigger threats to pass the helmet guy. Oh, to okay. clarify for you, because I, I just know had a he, blank look. I know, because I know you know who the helmet guy is, but you don't know who the actual person's name is. But he's gonna be back. He's gonna be healthy. So honestly, I think with all of his offensive weapons. If his running back plays even kind of good, it's a no-brainer. It's going to be the Buccaneers over the, over the Chiefs. Okay. But, you know, I picked the teams last week, and they both lost. So, congratulations, Kansas City. You'll probably win the Super Bowl because of that decision. <laughs> we'll see. You said before that I am very good at predicting bad things for your hockey team. Maybe I'm good at picking things for the NFL. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, but the big bombshell of news that dropped very late last night... The Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams. It's an interesting trade. It definitely seems like the Lions are going to get the better end of like the long-term side of the deal. Um, because the Lions are receiving quarterback Jared Goff from the Rams. 
2022 and 2023 first round pick as well they are receiving a 21 third round pick the deal itself can't become official until march 17th because the current cba doesn't allow for trades to be like official official until march 17th date currently in the nfl that's weird well, it's because technically the season's not over. But the season will be over before March 17th. Yes, but that's when trades are live, basically. Still weird. What's interesting about the trade more so than anything is both the quarterbacks were the first pick in their draft years. They were the number one pick, both of them. They're just swapping. Yeah. Goff was picked in 2016 draft and Stafford was picked in the 2009 draft. So he's more vintage. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Vintage. I don't know that that's the word I would use. Yes, he has that vintage wear (laughs) about him. But staying on the subject of quarterbacks that are probably going to be traded and or traded already, Deshaun Watson this week changed his Instagram profile and Twitter profile to exclude in his job area the image of the Houston Texans to put the word athlete. Child. uh, This man is a child. This was in response to the owner and the GM stating they had zero interest in trading Deshaun Watson backtracking yeah so the texans quarterback deshaun watson requested to be traded he has gone public saying that he has no interest in continuing to play for the organization despite the fact that he signed a four-year 156 million dollar contract extension this past september the texans have insisted that they have no intention of parting with the top quarterback he can choose to force their hand by withholding his services and he also has a no trade clause that he can turn around and use in his favor because he must sign off in writing on any trade before it can be made official. Right. So that kind of gives him the upper hand there. To say the least. However, the cost of any trade would be astronomical from my understanding from the articles that I've read, and I've read several. The timing of Watson's official request for a trade should be mentioned since it came the morning after it was reported that the Texans are hiring former Baltimore Ravens assistant coach David Coley. Yeah, and then yesterday as well, they announced that they are going to be hiring Lovey Smith as the new defensive coordinator as well. So they're they're surrounding this team with a lot of seniority for the new head coach. So honestly, I don't I don't know. Lovey Smith is a great defensive coordinator. He was an okay head coach with the Bears. So it's like they're going to improve over what they were last year without a doubt because Coley was pretty much the offensive mind that only existed in the actual uh, Eagles organization. So but to me this just reads as a temper tantrum. The whole social media stuff and like he could withhold his services and just be like, nope, not going to happen. But if he does that, he can also just be benched and fined. And then it's like a standoff between the coaching staff and this one player. So that feels very childish to me. I don't approve of that. But apparently there have already been people talking to the team trying to get him. And the Carolina Panthers are one of those teams, and they said that they're going to be aggressive in their pursuit of him. However, the Panthers aren't going to be the only ones. Other teams that are listed as possible trades are the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bears, and like a handful of other teams. But those are the four most prominent ones. But the GM, Nick Casario, said in a press conference that We have a great plan, a great vision for him and for his team and his role on our team. 
We look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with him here this spring. Yeah. I'm sure it's disheartening for him, but at the same time, I think he's a child. (laughs) (laughs) On better news in the world of football, uh, Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Washington football team, has been declared cancer-free this week. Yes. I was excited to see that. I've always liked Ron Rivera all the way back to the era where he was the defensive coordinator for the Bears with Lovey Smith and most recently Washington Redskins or football team. And, you know, I've always liked him as a coach. I think he's one of those guys kind of like Tortorella where it's just like he calls it like he sees it and he expects you to give your best. And if you don't, he'll call you out. Right. And I think that's a good form of coaching. So I'm not shocked. He brought the team to the playoffs for the first time since 2015, and I don't see it stopping next year. Washington football team looks like they're going to be another good team, albeit they're playing more than likely in one of the worst divisions in the NFL again. So, you know, all they have to do is be better than the sucky teams. So The thing that we kind of went around and didn't discuss is that the Houston Texas agreed to terms with David Coley on a five-year deal to be their head coach. He was the Baltimore Ravens assistant head coach before it was announced that he was hired for the Texans on Friday, January 29th. And with his hiring and exit from Baltimore, the Ravens will receive two third-round compensatory, is how it said in the article, picks. So they get to take him as a coach, but they have to give them something back, apparently, which I've never heard of before, but I don't know the NFL. To clarify, you're right about the Ravens, and I noticed that earlier I spoke about him being the assistant coach for the Eagles, so yeah, there's that. It happens. Yeah. At least you caught it. I noticed in my notes I actually had Ravens and I had Eagles for something else, so yeah, there's that. Reading's hard. Yeah. (laughs) And the Kansas City Chiefs left tackle Eric Fisher is going to end up missing the Super Bowl after suffering a torn Achilles tendon that he sustained during the victory over the Bills. So that sucks for him. He got his team there, and then he can't play. But haven't they been having tackle issues, like left and right tackle issues? Yeah, they had some injuries on their offensive line, so yes. But at the same time, Mahomes really isn't the guy that likes to stay in the pocket anyways, so it's really not that bad of a thing, I guess. I'm gesturing. That's just all going over my head at that point. He's, he's a quarterback that likes to bootleg and get outside of the pocket to make his passes, so. He's a pirate. Sure. I didn't say peg leg, but yeah. And in a, I don't know, is this weird? Weird piece of news, maybe? The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, has published a paper on Monday, January 25th, jointly authored by the CDC and the NFL and NFL Players Association, medical experts and epidemiologists. That is kind of weird. The paper shares the benefit of the NFL's COVID mitigation strategy with elements that the CDC says can be broadly applicable throughout society to limit the spread of the virus. So my grasp is the NFL is doing such a good job, even though they're not. Well, it's more like they've done this and this is what works and this is what doesn't work more than anything else. And through season-long robust testing and contract tracing programs, the NFL has found that transmission of the virus occurred in less than 15 minutes of cumulative interaction between individuals, which was the time frame initially used by the CDC to define close contact. 
Evidence generated by the NFL data led to a revised definition of high-risk contacts that led contact tracers and medical experts to consider information beyond duration and distance, such as masking and ventilation, which it hadn't considered before. And the paper was published in the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report and is in the public domain, so it can be found on the CDC's website if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of that sort of thing. That's pretty cool. They're useful for something. Yeah. This is amazing. More on the positive note of things other than CDC and COVID talk. I mean, you're finding out the benefits of stuff. I feel like that is good news. Like, even if their numbers weren't great, at least you can use this information in the future. Yeah. Jason Witten signed a one-day contract to retire as a member of the Dallas Cowboys. This is after 17 years with the NFL, correct? Yeah. He retired with the most games played in the position of tight end with 271 games. He also finishes in second place overall for 1,228 receptions for over 13,046 yards. Pretty good there. He was voted into the Pro Bowl 11 of his 17 seasons and added to the All-Pro team twice. So basically, he was the best tight end in the NFL twice. Quite the career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's just a matter of when. Obviously, when you have the second most of the jobs role, you're probably going to get into the Hall of Fame in most instances in the history of the game. So Right. And he had told ESPN that he was going to sign a one-day contract with the Dallas Cowboys on January 27th. But it won't actually happen until his contract with the Raiders expires in March. So I'm assuming March 17th or something along those lines. More than likely March 17th, yeah. And it's funny because he had technically retired in 2018 and transitioned to the broadcast side of things Mm -hmm. as a commentator for ESPN's Monday Night Football for exactly one season. Yep. And then he returned to the NFL in 2019 with the Cowboys and then signed that one-year deal with the Raiders in 2020. He spent all but his final season as a Cowboy, which is a choice. I don't know. For a long time, the Cowboys were actually a good team. It's just been recent years that it's been a little bit of a struggle bus situation for them. But I feel like you have a longer memory of sports, and I have like a shorter term memory with sports. Like, oh, they've been crap for three years. They're just a bad team. But the same could be said about books for you, let's be honest. That is also true. These new books they talk about on YouTube are so great sounding and then i'm like but these ones that they don't talk about anymore that are way old i'm like they're crap all of it's garbage that's incorrect i know that's not correct but i'm just saying that's the way it seems also came out uh, after the bills game this past week that cole beasley of the bills announced that he played the entire playoffs with a broken fibula so yeah what did i say at the end of the nhl season stubborn players always come out and announce their injuries And excuses, yes. Well. If you're injured, stop playing. Let someone else be the next man up for you. He was still playing as one of the top receiving players in his team. So, But you notice how it's always the losing teams that come out and are like, I played with this injury or that injury or whatever. Winning teams come out and do that sometimes too. Mm -hmm. You can ask the Lightning. They announced about three players were playing injured through the playoffs. So mark that one down there. But yeah, it's, it seems like players are in the playoffs of all times are the most stubborn when it comes to injuries. They don't want anybody to know. He said basically they were giving him pain medication shots in order to overcome the pain during the game. I That's a choice. I couldn't imagine being on the offensive side of the ball getting hit with a broken fibula. While you're drugged? Yeah. Yeah. The drugged part, the like cognition issues you would have, I can't 
still was their number one receiving player. So so what does that say about his off-season life? He's going to be sitting down a lot. I meant he's obviously always on a lot of drugs, but that too. I don't think he will be in the off-season so much, but yeah. And in, I guess, lighter news, the Washington Football Club's Jennifer King becomes the NFL's first full-time black female assistant coach. It's weird how they worded that because it sounds like she's black full-time and not that she's going to be a female (laughs) assistant coach full-time. Yeah. But... She also has experience as a player, apparently. So she was a seven-time All-American quarterback and wide receiver for the Carolina Phoenix of the Women's Football Alliance. Had never heard of them, but she's got experience in the sport. So that's always nice. Yeah, yeah, that was announced last week, but you didn't really know what position or title she was going to have. So um, this week that all became like official on paper. Right. So kudos to her. That's a big step forward. The NFL is notorious for picking old white men to do jobs. So mediocre white men (laughs) running everybody's career everywhere. Yeah, that. (laughs) And then the last bit of NFL news is very bad and I'm gonna go ahead and insert a trigger warning here so if you don't want to hear about abuse skip ahead until we start talking about another sport hooray three charges were filed against offensive lineman Chad Wheeler of the Seattle Seahawks on Wednesday January 27th He has been charged with first-degree domestic violence assault, domestic violence unlawful imprisonment, and resisting arrest. In response, he was waived by the Seahawks team. He was bonded out of jail on $400,000 bail from King County Correctional Facility on Tuesday, January 26th. According to the police report, the victim was attacked by Wheeler on the evening of Friday, January 22nd, after he, quote-unquote, asked her to bow to him, and she said no. Per police, the victim had, quote, noticeable fingerprints on both sides of her neck, as well as capillaries that had burst at the back of her throat. Also, her left elbow was swollen and deformed, and at one point, Wheeler allegedly said, wow, you're alive? Wheeler is trash. I'm sorry. Yeah. He issued a statement via Twitter on Wednesday, January 28th, in which he apologized for his actions, calling them a manic episode. He said that he was seeking help and he is now a free agent and no longer with his team. Just so you know, the Seahawks, after the report came out, did not hesitate to cut him. He was cut no. in less than an hour of the news breaking. So yeah. they don't stand for that kind of crap in a Pete Carroll's system so i saw the article i read a little bit about it i didn't get far enough in knowledge wise as you did so i'm glad you covered it my Um, thing here is that too many athletes get their behavior excused because they're an athlete and he has so much potential or whatever the f and like i feel like it needs to get out there that like there are guys like this in sports and it's more common than I think anyone realizes. And like, I know this is probably just me standing on a soapbox talking about this, but it needs to be done. It needs to be said and it needs to not be tolerated. And like the nitty gritty is hard to discuss about this because like just imagining that makes me want to cry. But like there are guys out there like this. And like that absolutely blows my mind. Like because someone wouldn't bow to him, 
Yeah. He almost killed her. Yeah. The DA, I believe as well, if I was reading one of the other articles that I read about it, is basically come out for King County and has said that he's going to prosecute him to the fullest. Yep. Now, if he claims it as a manic episode, obviously his lawyer will probably say it was a mental health lapse and he'll probably have a little different sentence, but... And, like, that irritates me so much because in this country we attribute things that white men do as mental health problems. But if it's anyone else, they're immediately charged to the full extent of the law or worse. And, like, it bothers me that this would be tolerated. Yeah. I hope that it doesn't uh, get let down. I'm seeing some of the images. It's just, whew, you know, in, in, in that instance that he needs to be charged and locked up. Like, not for mental health reasons, but for what he's done. Like, well, like, obviously, if you think it's okay to physically harm someone, there is something mentally wrong with you because it's not okay. Yeah. And your viewpoint is skewed. But, like, calling it a manic episode when there's been no sign of you having mental health issues in the past is a word I'm not going to say. So, it's a load of crap, and I don't want to hear it. Right. And that's the last of the NFL news. On that note, Yay. where are we headed next? Anywhere else. So, in the world of Major League Baseball, after seven seasons in the Bronx, Mashiro Tanaka has decided to return home to Japan. It was announced on Thursday that the Rakuten Eagles of the Nippon Professional Baseball Organization? Nippon? It's the Japanese League, but yes. The Japanese League have reached an agreement with the 32-year-old right-hander. He confirmed the deal on Twitter. Yeah, he's going back to play in his home country based on the conversations he had with the Yankees. They weren't really going anywhere, so I'm not shocked to see him go back to his home country for that reason. Yeah, and this was apparently the week of one-year contracts? Yeah, and some pretty major signings as well. There were a few players that were still kind of holding out, and this week we found out that uh, they're not any longer. So um, when it comes to signings this week, uh, we had the Phillies re-sign Didi Gregorius to a two-year contract at $28 million. Uh, the Phillies didn't stop there this week. They also signed JT Realmuto to a five-year $115.5 million contract. So, you know, the Phillies... Basically re-signing their really quality players. The conversations went really deep. With Real Muto, he was trying to find other teams that might be interested in him. And it seemed like the Phillies were still offering the largest contract. So he's like, I'll just stay. Right. Which makes sense. Uh, the White Sox this week signed Carlos Rodon to a one-year $3 million contract. Carlos Rodon was a previous first-round draft pick for the White Sox a number of years ago. And he's kind of been a roller coaster of a pitcher. He's either there or he's not. He's basically been brought in to compete for that fourth or fifth starting rotation role for our pitching staff. So we'll see if he actually stays up or if he ends up in the minor leagues. But for right now, he's signed to a major league contract. Uh, the Cubs also signed Jock Peterson to a one-year $7 million contract. What else could this man have done besides play sports? Yeah, his name is Jock. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your favorite player, Adam Wainwright, who signed for the St. Louis Blues, he actually signed a one-year $8 million contract to play again with the Cardinals. And then the big spenders this week, honestly, were the Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays signed Marcus uh, Simeon to a one-year $18 million contract. 
And then the big signing, which is kind of one of the last big names other than Real Muto, who was kind of hanging out there contract-wise, was George Springer. He signed a six-year, $150 million contract. That's a lot of money. Yeah. He was connected to the Mets as well, but the Mets were only willing to offer him $120 million. Uh, so he was like, well, this is $30 million difference for my services. So these two additions, though, honestly make the Blue Jays probably one of the most dangerous offensive teams in the game. So that's something the Blue Jays have not been for a very, very long time. So it's going to be interesting to see that team play next season. Obviously, they still haven't figured out whether they're going to be able to play in Canada or not at this point. So I'm going to assume no. They'll probably be playing in Buffalo in their stadium again. So we'll see what ends up happening. Have Uh, you discussed the Nationals? Signing Brad Hand to a one-year $10.5 million contract? Nope. Which other one do you have for the Nationals? The Nationals agreed to a one-year contract with Alex Avila on Thursday, January 27th. The deal is currently pending a physical. The left-handed hitter just turned 34 and will enter his 13th major league season. Yeah, been around the block a little bit. Those were all the big signings. There was also a really large trade this week between the Rockies and the St. Louis Cardinals. The Rockies traded career player Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals. The Rockies will receive five prospects and $50 million in cash. So Nolan uh, Arenado has won the Golden Glove, I believe it's like seven out of the last 10 years at his position. So, you know, he's one of the best defensive and offensive-minded players in the game. Is that the award that gets handed out to everybody? No, the Golden Glove is given to one person from every position. So everybody? No. Not everybody. The best defensive player in the position in the National League and the American League. There's one for every position. But he's won it seven out of ten years for third base, which is pretty Even when impressive. they give it to everybody, that's a lot of times. <sighs> Just to clarify, Nolan, I'm not the one knocking your abilities. That's my wife. Uh, the one that does not grasp the baseballs very well. But the Mets also this week promoted Zach Scott to being the acting GM after firing their previous general manager for sending those dirty picks to the girls that worked for the Chicago Cubs when he was the acting assistant general manager of the Chicago Cubs. Why are men so garbage? Zach Scott was previously named the senior vice president and assistant GM for the Mets in December of 2020 after being the assistant GM for 17 years in the Red Red Sox organization. That was a tough one for me for some reason. Probably because it was the Red Sox and not the White Sox. Yours just got dyed in the wash. Yeah. Daniel Murphy is retiring after 12 seasons in the major leagues. I don't know who he is, but it's probably because I don't follow his career very close. He announced on Friday, January 29th, that he has decided to retire, and he was a free agent this offseason, so it doesn't sound Probably didn't have a lot of people interested in him in that instance, yeah. And on sad news, longtime A's public address announcer Dick Callahan, who spent 15 years with the club, passed away on Friday morning. He got his start in 1975 during baseball games for St. Mary's College of California after graduating from Scranton Prep High. He also spent 19 years as the PA announcer for the NBA's Golden State Warriors and 12 years announcing Cal football games. So he's a pretty busy announcer. Sounds like it. Yeah, between those three organizations, that's... He's driving around. I guess, obviously, with Golden State, they're in Oakland, so it's really not that complicated of a drive from the athletics to the Golden State Stadium, but Cal is still kind of up in that area as well, so yeah, it's a lot. This week, the Baseball Writers Association of America 
opted to not select a single candidate to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. This is for the first time since 1960 and just the seventh time since the first election in 1936. Yeah, the most recent time being 2013 that they didn't elect anybody into the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling basically announced that he does not plan on putting himself on the ballot next year. Correct. He's frustrated with the process. He also got the highest amount of votes with 71%. He was only 4% off. Yeah, the 4% would have required for him to get another 14 votes to qualify, though. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Considering, though, that there were 18 people that did not cast ballots this year means there was a chance he probably could have gotten in. But those people basically were like, we're not supporting any of the people that are in the top groups for the induction options. Uh, You obviously have Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds also in that top three group with Kurt Schilling. Those two guys have been notorious history of using steroids. So it's kind of frowned upon to bring them into the Hall of Fame. And I'm kind of glad they're taking a stand in, in that instance. Kurt Schilling, on the other hand, has said some pretty awful things on Twitter, and that in turn has despised him a little bit in the eyes of some of the the writers that are involved with voting for this. Right. You can't just be a good baseball player anymore. You have to be a good person, and that might be why no one's getting inducted. Yeah, that's pretty much the reason nobody got inducted. So I don't think that says a lot of good things about baseball in years past, but maybe in the future it will be easier to select someone. And in a better piece of Major League Baseball news, D. Strange Gordon, what a name, has partnered with the MLB, Pitch-In for Baseball and Softball, and Wilson Sporting Goods to host a special drive-thru equipment giveaway event on Saturday at the Jackie Robinson Training Complex in Vero Beach, Florida. Children from throughout the area will have a chance to meet him, go through a safety-focused clinic, and receive a variety of youth baseball equipment, including a bat backpack, batting helmet, baseball face coverings. Masks and social distancing guidelines will be strictly enforced throughout the event, and it will host 15 to 20 children. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking up where Vero Beach was because that sounds familiar for some reason. I'm going to guess Florida. Yes, but it's not the one I was thinking of. Also this week, the MLB Players Association rejected the MLB deal, which included Universal DH and, again, the expanded playoff from the previous season. Originally, the previous CBA was agreed upon because they knew that it was going to be a one-time thing for those situations to try to recoup monies. But the players are like, well, you're not going to do that again. We'll see what ends up happening. It just seems to be another MLB standoff with the CBA. I'm not shocked to hear this because it was ugly last year. So a universal DH, you've explained this to me before and I don't remember because it's in one year, not the other. So designated hitters have always existed in the American League, never in the National League. Pitchers have to bat in the National League. So the players as a whole want the National League to have their pitchers bat still. Okay. What's weird about it is when they play like their interleague games, if the National League team is the home team, the American League team has to have their pitcher bat. So it's kind of an advantage and disadvantage. And this is a guy who would have had limited batting practice, right? Because he doesn't have to. Because normally he doesn't have to. Right. Yeah. I could see wanting to have like that slight advantage if you're from the other side. As well, too, usually speaking, the All-Star game determines who's got home field advantage during the World Series. And during the World Series games, the American League pitchers have to bat 
uh, when they're in the National League home stadiums. So if they end up having more home games, then it's definitely an advantage without a doubt. So that's why the National League is like, whoa, whoa. The American League has way too much practice at this. But we'll see what happens because it's the MLB and it's a CBA and we all know that those like to go on and on. So yeah. For the NBA, I'm going to start out with injuries. DeAndre Hunter will miss at least one game with a knee injury. He's not going to end up playing in the February 1st home game against the LA Lakers. He had a non-surgical procedure Monday, January 25th to address articular wear and tear in his right knee, and his status will be reviewed next week. I'm assuming he got a shot in his knee. The Brooklyn Nets forward Kevin Durant which is weird to say, rested against his former team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Mm -hmm. on Friday, January 29th. The reason listed for his place on the IR is his continued recovery from the surgery on his right Achilles tendon, which caused him to miss last season. Correct. The way the article read sounded like he wasn't actually injured. He was just put on the IR so he could rest and not have to play. Yeah, so he's been experiencing tightness in his Achilles, so I think that's the reason they're kind of giving him that rest day more so than anything. As well, too, while you had Kyrie down for, like, the week or so that he was gone, he was playing a lot of minutes more than normal, so you've got to, like, kind of balance it back out, and then everything should be fine again. It's just, you know, he was putting a, a lot of time into the games and effort while Kyrie was gone because he had to and now he's just kind of trying to play catch up on the rest time a little bit also this week in injury news Bulls Wendell Carter Jr. is out at least four weeks with a severe quad contusion do you know what that is I don't he's got a bruise baby's got a real big bruise yeah so he's got to be out for four weeks a severe one as it seems he got an effing MRI for it yeah they clearly thought something more serious was wrong but he's out for four weeks Nope. baby got a big old bruise (laughs) on lighter news of injury world pacers Kari Levert underwent his surgery last Monday to treat for renal cell carcinoma on his left kidney this was the player for the Pacers that uh, got traded in that giant trade around. And, and his medical exam showed that he had cancer, yeah. Right. This type of cancer has a high survival rate when it's caught early and removed properly. So uh, his surgery supposedly went well. They're going to check up with him in about a week or two just to make sure they got everything that they needed to get off of there. But it's good news for him. Right. Yeah. And Utah Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell missed Wednesday's game against the Dallas Mavericks after entering the league's concussion protocol. He first exhibited symptoms after the game against the New York Knicks. So with exhibiting symptoms, I'm going to go ahead and call it that he probably has a concussion. Yeah, he got bumped twice pretty well. He caught a shoulder to the head and an elbow to the head in the Knicks game, so... That elbow does some damage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just shake it all up in there, like, you know? Yeah, it's not good for the brain. But on that note, the Jazz actually ended up winning that game against the Mavericks, which is their 11th straight win of the season. Uh, well, 11 straight win in a row this season. So they defeated the Mavericks 120-101. Even without their star player, yeah. they handled their business. So. And in weird news, the Miami Heat are planning to bring back some fans with the help of some COVID-sniffing dogs. The dogs will screen fans who want to attend their games. They've already been working on the plan for months, and the highly trained dogs have already been in place for some games this season, where the team has been allowed to bring a handful of guests, usually friends, family, those kind of people. 
but starting this week, a limited number of ticket holders will be in the seats as well, provided they can get past the dogs first. So don't worry about drug-sniffing dogs, just worry about that COVID dog. What if I the mean, dog fails, like, it's like a false positive, and I you're just know. like, dude, I just got tested, everything's fine. Worse, what if it's a false negative? Right. So, like... I kind of understand where the line of thinking is because some dogs can smell certain kinds of cancer. So, like, I know that this isn't impossible. It just sounds real dumb. Yeah. Also, on COVID-19 related news, last Monday's game between the Pelicans and the Spurs was postponed after neither team had eight players to play the game due to current COVID protocols. That's crazy. Could you imagine that? Two teams show up and they're like, yeah, we got seven each. Let's, let's play some basketball. But that's the COVID news I have for you this week on the NBA. Well, the NBA is actually already adjusting this season's schedule for the first half of the 2021 season. There is going to be a specific focus on teams with the most postponed games to date. The full list of changes is going to be posted on the NBA website. There are three games set currently, the first being Portland at Washington on February 2nd, Washington at Charlotte on February 7th, and the Portland at Charlotte game has been postponed to the second half of the season, but that full list will be on the NBA website. I don't want to be the guy that has to rewrite the Memphis schedule. They finally did get to play a game this week. Right. Which is exciting. You know, they, I think it ended up being like 10 games that they ended up missing or nine games or something stupid like that. So congratulations, Memphis Grizzlies. You got to play a basketball game this year. Yeah. And then in a weird bit of news, something that kind of came out that I thought was funny. Steph Curry announced this week that during halftime in games where he's not performing well, he checks Twitter to get riled up by the haters on him in order to fire him up to come back out and play. Do what you gotta do, man. And listen, he has been the most successful player when it comes to percentage of baskets scored in the second half this season. So whatever it is, it's working. It's weird, but it works. Right. (laughs) Like, if I'm having a bad first half and I'm playing the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry, or I should say Steph Curry's having a bad first half and I'm playing the Warriors. I don't want to know. I don't want to play him in the second half. Just like, no. Like, he's clearly going to come up fired up, so. My thing is, is this going to change behavior on the Twitterverse for people whose team is playing him? I don't know. I would literally tell everybody, like, listen, don't talk trash. Just make him... Like, hey, you know what? You're trying. You're doing a real good job. You're trying so hard. Just encourage him on Twitter. Yes. And then he'll come out and have an awful second half. Um, Well, we have to test that, don't we? Yes, clearly. The Denver Nuggets guard Jamal Murray was ejected after what appeared to be an intentional shot to the groin on Dallas's Tim Hardaway Jr. in the second half of the game on Monday, January 25th. And since then, Murray has been fined $25,000 for the offense. It's a pretty bigger fine. It's not like the hockey league that gives out $7,000 fines. Well, money differences, but also at the same time, it's a bunch of guys deciding what it is going to be, and they just go, ooh, no. Yeah, that doesn't make sense because getting hit in the nuts sucks. So for the MLS, do you have any news? No, I have real league news, but you, you go ahead and talk about your pretend league. Someday I'm going to have to interview an MLS person and I'm just, they're going to be like, so I hear you hate us. And I'm like, yep, I do. So the MLS and the MLS Players Association have agreed to extend talks on a revised collective bargaining agreement by one week. I don't know how that's going to (laughs) help. Sounds like the MLB. 
both have also agreed to a regular schedule of meetings during that one-week time frame. Yeah. Don't know that that's going to help. The MLS has said that if an agreement is not reached by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on February 4th, it will terminate the existing CBA and institute a lockout of the players. You know, the irony behind all this, and I... They're the ones who started it? Well, yeah, but the irony behind all of it is, is that constantly the FC Dallas organization is calling me to buy season tickets for a season that may not even happen. Right. So, if you're wondering, guys, why I don't follow the MLS, it's because of crap like this. You never hear about that in the European leagues, ever. It, there's no lockouts. There's there was no... a lockout for the NF, not NFL, NHL in 2015. Yeah, yeah, but far fewer options. Like, there's, it seems like almost every other year, the MLS has some kind of problem with their CBA, so. Well, the MLS is going to deliver a counterproposal to the MLS Players Association in the next 24 hours. So coming up, we'll find out if they have anything good to say. Yeah, by the time this episode airs, you might get some feedback from me about how it all works out, I guess. Or doesn't. Yeah. And earlier this week, MLS announced that training camps ahead of the 2021 regular season, should it happen. Regular season, let's put an asterisk next to it. Would start on February 22nd with the regular season set to begin on April 3rd. Okay. If they can get their crap figured out. They probably will. The regular season will start on April 3rd and feature 34 matches for each of the clubs, which doesn't sound like a lot compared to sports that I normally watch. Yeah. And the season will conclude with MLS Decision Day on November 7th, followed by the MLS Cup Playoffs starting on November 19th, and the Cup Final set to be held on December 11th. Okay. So they have a rough schedule at the moment. That's good. But in real soccer news... I think they play real soccer in the MLS, just not with the things you like, apparently. The UEFA still plans to host the 2020 Euro Championships this year uh, in 2021. Obviously, they were delayed due to the pandemic. The games will be played in 12 different cities across Europe. That doesn't sound smart. Well, it does. Trust me, they're individual small bubbles because the Euros involve a lot of teams in Europe. So the games will take place from June 11th to July 11th. UEFA has announced that the individual city hosts will have until April to present plans to have fans in their stadium. Currently, UEFA's stance on it is unless you can prove that you have the ability to control COVID within those situations, you will not be able to have fans in the stadiums, which I agree with. So here's the thing. Even if you have the right safety measures in place, doesn't mean people are going to abide by the rules. That's the factor you can't account for. Human beings, they're effing a-holes. Yeah. So currently there has not been a single city to actually put forward a plan in place. Because you can't plan for human beings. Correct. But I'm excited that the Euros are going to happen. I feel like it is something that the soccer world really needs. They need a major tournament right now. It just seems like it's the right time and place. But in Premier League news, Manchester United loses to Sheffield United 2-1, giving them their second win of the season. Last week we, well, I shouldn't say we, you made fun of my team for giving (laughs) Sheffield United their first win of the season. That was karma. Congratulations, you gave them their second. Coming back to bite me straight on the nose. It was Manchester United's first loss since November 1st of last year. Sheffield United was missing nine of its starting players due to injuries and suspensions. So not only did you get beat by Sheffield United, because we got beat by the actual team, you got beat by the B team. So congratulations. Okay, okay, I see how this is going to turn out. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for Manchester United. 
than it's been you making your own chicken dinner. <laughs> it's fine. Manchester United had a really rough week. We'll just leave it at that. They slipped a couple times. They took two draws and that loss, obviously. It was a, a tough week to be a Manchester United fan. What's sad about that is it was after you guys came off of a four out of five wins. So, like, it's just three really rough games in one week period of time for you guys. But can't win every game, I guess, is really the, the moral of the story with that one. And you probably shouldn't talk crap about Sheffield United because all of a sudden they're playing soccer. I don't know what happened. Thomas Tuchel has been named the new manager of Chelsea after Frank Lampard was fired this past week. Lampard has led the team for two seasons now to their two worst records in organization history. So congratulations, Frank Lampard. Good luck finding a new coaching job wherever you end up. He'll land somewhere. Yeah, he's a great coach. It's just it was not a good team for him to coach. Uh, Thomas Tuchel obviously being the ex-Dortmund and ex-PSG head coach. So I've always liked his coaching strategy. I think he does some weird things at practice that really develop quality gameplay. So I don't know if you know, but he's notorious for practices when it comes to passing drills, making them play with mini soccer balls so that their accuracy is higher. So they have to really pay attention because A, it takes just a little curve to make that ball go flying in the wrong direction. So the players are forced to really concentrate on what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to marking players so that players don't grab jerseys and commit fouls because that's something Chelsea has been doing this year. The defensive players have to carry around tennis balls in both hands in order to stop them from grabbing other players. I like that one. Yeah. He has some unorthodox coaching methods, but every team he's been a part of has been very dominant in whatever league they play in. While he was there in Dortmund, it was probably the most nerve-wracking time for me to be a Bayern Munich fan because he was very dominant. As well, when it comes to PSG, again, just dominance. So I think it's going to be a good move for them. Uh, when he was hired, they're currently standing in ninth place on the table, which is the lowest Chelsea has been on the table in as far as I can remember. been following the English Premier League now for like 15 years. So it's been a while since they've been down that low. As it sits currently, as this conversation is happening, they are in seventh place. They moved up two spots with a win and a draw in his first two games. Or he's starting to kind of turn things around a little bit in Chelsea. Or that would have happened anyway. I don't know that that's true. We'll see. Continuing in Premier League news, Newcastle United news. We got our first win after a five-game losing streak. All streaks end. Yes. Uh, Newcastle United defeated Everton this week. Everton uh, was at the time in fifth place in the Premier League. So it's a good feeling to be a top five team to end a losing streak. Uh, it's a, a really good feeling in that instance. Both goals were scored by Callum Wilson, one in the 73rd minute and one in the third minute of stoppage time after the 90th minute. They were not very beautiful goals, but I'll take it. I will take the win because, as you know, we've been sliding slowly but slowly towards the bottom of the English Premier League table. But that's all the Premier League news I have other than the fact that Man City has now officially won five of their last five games to take first place away from Manchester United. Currently, Liverpool is defeating West Ham, which would put Liverpool into second place and drop Manchester United to third place uh, on the table. Leicester City in fourth currently and West Ham is currently sitting in fifth. And where's Newcastle? We are down in 15th place but we were in 17th last week so moving on up. 
At least you're not in relegation anymore. No, we're, we're two spots clear of it, thank goodness. But that's not that far in the big scheme of things. In Bundesliga news, Bayern Munich continues to extend their lead on the Bundesliga remaining league playing teams. Everyone else on the table? Yes. That's what you're trying to say? Yes. Uh, we are up seven points currently on Red Bull Leipzig. Leipzig in second place. Frankfurt is in third. Leverskin is in fourth. And Dortmund, with their win yesterday, moved back into the top five spots. Coming up from seventh to fifth this week. So, welcome back. Thanks. Yep. You're currently in a Champions League playoff spot, though, which means you may not make the Champions League, and you might be in Europa League, but still. It's better than where you were, which was neither of those things. There's that. The NHL has been a hot mess in standings, but we don't want to go into it. It's just all over the place. But those are your standings for the week for your weekly update on standings in the world of sports balls. I think that's all the news I have. Is that all the news you have on the world of soccer? Yes. Okay. Well, we will catch you later on this week for a book episode. Thank God. I can't tell you have any kind of excitement in your voice, but yes, a book episode on Thursday. So make sure you stay up to date with us on all our social media, which will be linked in our show notes. And we'll catch you for that book episode, guys. Bye. Bye.